The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolnes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. Well, it's good to talk to you all again. Uh, I wasn't around with you last week as uh, I was... Pulling some extra duty uh, as, uh, as a writer and podcaster for our Phillies website, The Good Fight, during the Phillies' run to the World Series. And um, I know that captured a lot of your attention as well. And for a lot of you, maybe the birds were on the back burner a little bit during that Phillies playoff run. But now that the Phillies are done, we have an 8-0 and football team to talk about, which uh, they're going to most likely move to 9-0 this Monday night when they take on the Washington Commanders at Lincoln Financial Field without Carson Wentz. Unfortunately, sadly, the Carson Wentz reunion tour not to be this time around. And uh, the way things are looking right now, if it were to happen, it's not going to happen with him in a Washington Commanders uniform. But uh, I'm going to break down some of the matchups to watch here in this game. And as someone who lives in the Northern Virginia area, I get to see this Washington Washington Commanders team a lot here, a lot of the scuttlebutt on the local talk radio stations. And so uh, I can give you a, a firsthand inside look at the enemy keeping an eye on the enemy here from Northern Virginia as uh, we talk about this game coming up on Monday night. So uh, the Washington Commanders come into Monday night football against the Eagles off a, a rough 20-17 to loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings are 7-1. and the, the Washington Commanders really should have won this game. They led 17-3 to late in the third quarter in this one, and we're not able to put them away. It let let the commanders, uh, let the Vikings uh, stick around and stay in the game, and eventually uh, collapsed uh, as the latter part of the game went on. So, um, a disheartening loss if you are a Commanders fan. But really, it's a it's a loss. I mean, it probably was a 17-6 to lead, but. Um, it was a loss we probably should have seen coming because this is kind of what the commanders do. Uh, coming into last week, they had won three in a row. Remember, they won the opener against Jacksonville, and then they lost four straight with Carson Wentz uh, with Carson Wentz under center. Uh, and then Carson Wentz gets hurt. He um, he's he's he, struggling all season long. I think is is putting it is putting it gently. Uh, Carson Wentz really was was struggling. The entire time, uh, he's he was the Washington Commanders uh, quarterback, and um, 
He goes out with the injured finger. Taylor Heineke comes in, and all of a sudden now you see, even though the, the Commanders didn't put up any a, a ton of points in any of their wins, a 12-7 win over the Bears, a 23-21 win over the struggling Green Bay Packers, and then a 17-16 win over an Indianapolis Colts team that just fired head coach Frank Reich. Uh, but yet three in a row, and they were 4-4 four and four in the NFC East uh, in, in last place, but uh, seemingly saving and, and reviving their season, but... Uh, a brutal loss in which they they gave up uh, 14, I think it was 14 fourth quarter points to the Minnesota Vikings last week. Uh, Taylor Heineke throwing a terrible interception and the defense, which had played so well for so much of the game, let them down towards the end of the game there in the fourth quarter. And what you see from this commander's team is a team that just doesn't really know how to win just yet. They, They haven't figured out how to close teams out. And so you've got a four and five commanders team coming in on Monday night football with Taylor Heineke uh, under center. And, uh, you know, you can make the argument is Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz, the better quarterback who's better for this team. Carson Wentz was two and four as Washington's starter before he got hurt. Uh, Taylor Heineke has come in and he's gone two and one. If you look at the numbers, they're pretty comparable given the the amount of games each of these guys have played. Carson Wentz was completing 62.1% of his passes. Taylor Heineke is at 63%. Um, Carson Wentz was averaging 248 yards per game through the air. Taylor Heineke averaging 209.7. Quarterback rating of 84.1 for Wentz, 87.6 for Taylor Heineke. So, Again, very similar. You've got touchdown-to-interception ratios. Uh, Carson's was a little bit better. Uh, ten touchdowns to six interceptions. Taylor Heineke, three, uh, five touchdowns to three interceptions thus far. But Taylor Heineke avoids the sack uh, quite a bit better than uh, Carson Wentz does. Carson Wentz was sacked 23 times in his first six games. So far, Taylor Heineke has been sacked six times in three starts. So Taylor Heineke will be a harder guy for the Eagles to get to this Monday night. Uh, Remember, the Eagles got to Carson Wentz nine times. Some of that is on the Washington offensive line. The Washington offensive line is, is not a good unit. Uh, this is a this is a unit that uh, struggles to run the ball and also struggles to protect the quarterback. You've got Charles Leno at left tackled, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Tyler Larson at center, uh, Sadiq Charles at right guard, and Sam Cosme at right tackle. This is not a group that's going to instill fear or frustration into the hearts of what should be a big advantage matchup for the Eagles' defensive line. Uh, the Eagles have been able to get consistent pressure on the quarterback throughout the season. Again, sacking Carson Wentz nine times uh, in in the Eagles' uh, Week 3 win, was it? Week 3 win against, uh, against Washington? Um, yeah, that's right. Week three, uh, when the Eagles won twenty-four to eight, it was twenty-four to nothing going into the fourth quarter uh, before a safety and then a, de- a late touchdown and failed two-point conversion uh, by the uh, by the Commanders made it a uh, a closer score than than it would even indicate. Again, the Eagles just put it on cruise control in the second half, um, and we really didn't see anything from either team in, in the second half of that game. But uh, you know, this was an easy win the last time around in Washington, and. I don't really see a, a, a big reason why it should be any, any different here on Monday night. You've got uh, you've got some you've got some matchup question marks. Um, you know, so there are some areas where Washington could could figure out a way 
to make some things happen. Anytime you have Terry McLaurin on the field, he can win a matchup with Darius Slay, and if they move him around, he can win a, win a matchup with uh, with James Bradbury. But uh, the Eagles secondary has been so incredibly good this year. These guys locking down receivers, making plays, the number one pass defense unit in the NFL. It's hard to see a scenario where Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, uh, uh, Jahan Dotson, uh, Curtis Samuel, where they can really make a big difference. And I think one of the areas that everybody's been freaking out about is the Eagles' run defense. And I just don't see that being a problem this week. This Washington team doesn't have an identity of any kind. And that's what the main thing you get when you're watching the commanders, the main thing you feel is that it's so difficult for them to score. Nothing comes easy. They got that big touchdown uh, at the at the start of the second half last week because uh, one of the officials downfield got in the way of a Vikings defender, and Taylor Heineke chucks the ball up to Samuel in triple coverage, and the, and the ref takes one of the guys out. Still should have been a ball. One of those other Minnesota defenders knocks down, and Samuel somehow comes out of it with the football and scoring a touchdown, but that should never have happened. So... I don't know that you really give the Washington offense credit for a whole lot more than 10 points last week. They, they didn't do anything in the first half. And then and then Heineke does come out and he starts making some plays. And, and that's what you're going to see from Heineke. You're going to see a guy who can at least stay alive in the backfield a little bit more. But he's not talented. He's not a he's a good backup quarterback. He's a guy that if Carson Wentz had been playing well but went down for two or three weeks with an injury, you feel pretty good about Taylor Heineke winning one or two of those games for you. But he's not the guy you want starting the entire second half of the season. Those warts of Taylor Heineke are going to show themselves. He has some he has some guys that at the some of the skill positions that he can work with. Uh, again, we're talking about Terry McLaurin. He's a good one, and and, and they seem to I think have figured out figured something out to do with Curtis Samuel. Uh, he really struggled to find a role last year. I think he's starting to find some kind of a role with this team. They're trying to utilize him like a Debo Samuel, only a, a poorer man's Debo Samuel. But where this Eagles defense is really weakest is in the run game. We saw it last week against the Houston Texans, and we saw that it didn't really come back to bite them. The, the Eagles still won by 12 points, pulling away late. And you know that Jonathan Gannon is simply saying, especially with Jordan Davis out, we are going to be okay with you getting some running yards on us, but you are not going to throw the football. Because the chances are that this Eagles offense is going to score points. They're going to keep the pressure on. They're going to go on long drives with their RPO game, and they're going to make it so that the opposing team's offense feels like they need to score more quickly, that they can't chew up 15-yard drives, 15-play uh, drives of, uh, of 80 yards or whatever it happens to be. So the Eagles are willing to let these guys run a little bit on them. And here's the thing about the Washington rushing attack. It's pretty terrible. Uh, Antonio Gibson, 328 yards on the ground this year. He's only averaging 3.7 yards per attempt. Uh, Brian Robinson, who is a rookie, is a guy that they were hoping would uh, take some snaps away from Antonio Gibson. He, of course, got a late start to the season because of the uh, unfortunate shooting that occurred with him. Uh, thankfully, it was uh, not a career-threatening injury, and he came back pretty quickly. But 219 yards on the ground in 67 attempts, that's a 3.3 yards per average uh, carry on the se- uh, carries on the season. Uh, J.D. McKissick, their number three guy, who's more of a pass-catching back, uh, is average- averaging just 4.3 yards per carry. He's got 95 yards on the ground. So this is not a game where you expect Washington's running backs to do much damage. 
And since Washington can't run the ball, I don't see how they score in this game. I don't see how they put up any points because the Eagles' defensive line should have a big advantage, even without Jordan Davis, getting pressure on Taylor Heineke. Again, Heineke is not going to take nine sacks, but I don't. I think you can get him three or four times. You can get him down on the ground three or four times in this game. Javon Hargrave is coming off of two straight multi-sack games. He's in one of his hot streaks. He's a very streaky player. Reminds me a lot of Reese Hoskins with the Phillies. Goes on these hot streaks where he will absolutely carry the defense for a few weeks at a time, and then he kind of goes cold for a little while. But Hassan Reddick has made a big impact. Brandon Graham is playing really well in the limited snaps they're giving him. Fletcher Cox, same deal. You know, this is what this defensive line has in spades. They've got... Uh, you know, and we'll see if Quinn can start to get more acclimated into the defense. And, and I know he's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start, but Robert Quinn should start to make a little bit more of an impact as the season goes along here. Uh, you want to see this defense tackle a little bit better. Um, you know, you don't want to see Logan Thomas uh, doing a lot of damage over the middle of the field and, and running running away like crazy. But uh, really, this team has has two weapons. You've got Terry McLaurin, who's over 600 yards receiving on the season. Uh, he's averaging 67 yards a game. And you've got Curtis Samuel, who's got 455 yards receiving and 122 yards on the ground. The strength of this Eagles defense is, is Darius Slay, and it is James Bradbury and Avante Maddox. So this is, I, again, I just don't see how Washington is going to score points on this Eagles defense. Now, when you turn it around, what is the strength of the Washington Commanders? Well, the strength of the Washington Commanders is, without a doubt, their defense, and specifically their defensive line. They made life miserable for uh, for Kirk Cousins and the Vikings last week. For so much of that game, the Vikings could not get anything going because it seemed like there was a, a Washington player in the backfield pretty much the entire game. Now, Minnesota only got uh, only got sacked twice in that game. But it seemed like a whole lot more than that. Uh, there was pressure all game long. Kirk Cousins had to make a had made a couple of mistakes uh, throwing uh, an interception under heavy duress. So this Washington defense does get to the quarterback. It can get penetration. And Minnesota's offensive line is a decent offensive line. It's not as good as the Eagles' offensive line, and that's obviously one of the Eagles' main strengths is Jordan Mailata has to play a little bit better. Mailata has been struggling just a little bit this year, but the rest of the offensive line is intact. They they should have an easier time with the, with the Washington defensive line than Minnesota did, and we're also talking about the potential return of Chase Young to the starting lineup. Now, saw Ron Rivera say on Friday that he's getting there, he's getting close, he's not all the way back yet, and it seems as though they want to wait on Chase Young until he's all the way there. Now, I don't know if... as I'm recording this on Friday afternoon. We, we don't know whether he's just blowing smoke and whether we'll see Chase Young. And if we do see Chase Young, how many snaps Chase Young will get. But uh, Washington, they're, they have good players on that defensive line um, outside of, of Chase Young. Jonathan, An- Jonathan Allen is obviously a menace. Um, not somebody that you want to root, that you want to play around with a whole lot. Um, you know, you've uh, you've got Darren Payne, uh, who's a really good player along the defensive line. Um, they they will get some pressure on Jalen Hurts. Now, what the Eagles have going for them that Minnesota didn't is that Kirk Cousins is a statue in the backfield as well. Jalen Hurts is far from that. You get a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts. He can break the pocket and he can run. 
also with that RPO game. We saw the Eagles do this with with uh, Micah Parsons against Dallas. They just left some of those guys unblocked and had them make choices in the RPO game, make it a decision game for them. Do I chase the running back? Do I chase the quarterback? Um, if it's a pass play, then okay, I gotta I gotta hold up, and now I can rush the passer. You 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 have to make these guys pause and think. Well, what are they what are they doing? And you put them on the defensive. You make them a step slower than they ordinarily would be, and you can take advantage of that. We saw the Eagles do that brilliantly in the first half against the Dallas Cowboys, and then again, uh, they did it late in the fourth quarter during that last drive. They're gonna have to do something similar with Washington here in this game because Washington can get to the quarterback if you just drop back and you're looking to throw. Washington can get there. But even if that does happen, Jalen Hurts has enough escapability and enough mobility to pick maybe pick up a first down running the football if that were to happen. So I just feel like for everything Washington can do to this Eagles offense and for everything that they want to try to do against the Eagles defense, the Eagles have an answer. The Eagles just have an answer. Top to bottom, the Eagles roster is obviously light years better than Washington. Uh, There's a reason that the Eagles are 10.5-point favorites. Um, Despite having won three in a row going into last week, they were not strong wins against quality opponents. And so, you know, how good is Washington? How good is this Washington team? I I don't think they're very good. Taylor Heineke is going to struggle this Monday night against the Eagles. It's just that simple. Now, at some point, Carson Wentz's finger injury is going to be all better. The big question is if Taylor Heineke doesn't win a few games here, if he plays against these next few opponents like he did against the Minnesota Vikings, is that enough for Carson Wentz to get his job back? I don't think it will be. I think Carson Wentz is done as a quarterback in this league. I just don't see Carson Wentz going somewhere and being a backup someplace. We saw how he bristled to not being the number one in Philadelphia, and that was more understandable because he was younger. He'd always been the starter. But this is his third team in three years, and each of these last three seasons have been abject failures for Carson Wentz. And it's interesting because if you just look at the numbers, his numbers don't look nearly that bad. But you watch him. And you see a player who just can't do it anymore. He's not a winning player. And you look at Taylor Heineke, and the perception is among Washington fans that this guy is a winner. Why is that? Where is that coming from? Is it because he runs around a lot and he's a little bit more fiery on the field? Maybe that's what it is. Carson Wentz's on-field demeanor is not inspiring. It does not inspire teammates. He he kind of gets, you know, when things are going well, Carson Wentz gets fired up, but things have not gone well over these last few seasons. And I think he still thinks he's the player he used to be. Holding onto the ball too long, he thinks he's going to be able to make plays with his legs and his arms. His pocket awareness has completely disappeared. He has no idea when to get out of the pocket, when to get rid of the football. He just takes one killer sack after another. I mean, you can put up all the yards that you want. You can put up 400 yards of offense passing the football, but if you're taking six, seven sacks, your net passing yards are going to probably be around 250, 260. And we've seen that too many times with Carson Wentz. Now, that being said, with Taylor Heineke, there's just a very low ceiling there. You know, last week, he almost pulled off a win against the Vikings, but he his numbers were terrible. 
nobody talks about the first half in which he was he was awful. He went he went uh, in in the game last week. Taylor Heineke. I'm trying to pull up the stats here. I uh, had them in front of me and they they disappeared. See, page keeps jumping on me. 15 of 28 for 149 yards through the air. He threw two touchdowns, had an interception, had a passer rating of 77.8. Guys, that's that's just not getting it done. And that's a good defense he's playing against. Minnesota has a pretty good defense. I just don't see it. I, I, I don't see how Taylor Heineke, neither of these guys is the answer. And that's the thing. If you're a Washington Commanders fan, you're, of course, hoping that your owner is forced to sell this team. We know there's a lot of controversy surrounding Washington off the field. That could also factor into what we see on Monday night. Uh, the, we know that there's the, uh, the the D.C. District Attorney who's filing a lawsuit against the commanders for any number of different misleading fraud cases um, with their financials and all this other kind of stuff. Uh, before the announcement came out, Washington commanders released a press release that referenced the shooting of Brian Roberts, Robertson, pardon me, Brian Robinson, um, Essentially saying that the D.C. AG is wasting his time going after the commanders when there's real crime to worry about, like the shooting of their running back. And and Robinson's a, a, a agent ripped the commanders for for using his client, for using this rookie as part of their PR campaign to smear the D.C. attorney general. Say whatever you want about the AG's case. I don't know if it has a leg to stand on or not, but... You know, the, the agent went out, Robinson's agent went out of the way of saying they've handled this with so much class all this way, but whoever wrote this press release is not one of those people. And fan, the, the players were outraged by this. The fan base has been outraged by this. The fan base has been outraged by this team, this, this ownership group, everybody in this front office. It's provided such a distraction that you just ha- you, you There are times when a team with lesser talent can overachieve if all the other conditions around it are optimal what you have here is an organization in which all the other pieces around the pieces on the field make it so that the players can't perform to the best of their ability so maybe they rally together and they play a spirited a spirited game against the eagles on monday night i don't know that that's i even if that were to happen there's no way they they beat the eagles monday night Uh, the chasm between these two teams is huge it's huge. I, I've watched this team. Even in their wins, I've watched this team. It's painful. There is no cohesion on offense. There's no identity. They don't know what they want to do. They don't know what they want to be. And it's because they don't have a quarterback. And I don't know when they're going to get a quarterback. They would do well to tank as many of these games the rest of the way as possible. Do not start Carson Wentz so you don't have to give up a second round pick to the Colts for him. Go with Taylor Heineke. In fact, you know, listen, if you if you really want to, and I I don't know at what point they do this, but they've got a third string quarterback that that they could look to. If they really are, if they're considering embracing the tank here during the during the course of the rest of the season, then just bring, just play Sam Howell. Play Sam Howell. Why not? At this point, why? I mean, you're still in the playoff picture at four and five. It is a weak NFC. No doubt about it. This is a weak, weak, weak NFC. But here you've got this guy in Sam Howell, a rookie quarterback taken out of North Carolina. Um, 
very you know he was not he's not a high draft pick. He was taken with the first pick in the fifth round, number 144 overall. He's got a strong arm. Why not see what you have there? Because you know what I mean. I until you're out of the playoff picture, you got to go with Taylor Heineke. But as soon as you drop out of the playoff picture, within the last month of the season, you got to see what Sam Howell has. If you're a Commanders fan, you and frankly, you you I don't know that you can even really legitimately have any hope for a playoff spot, even in a weak NFC. You you I don't know that they don't have a better chance to win with Sam Howell. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's. I, I don't think Sam Howell's ready to win in this league, so I take that back. Taylor Heineke gives you your best chance, but he's not going to give you a chance to win on Monday night. So let's make a prediction here. Let's make a call. I, I don't think this game is close. Uh, I don't see how the commanders are going to score on this Eagles defense. Um, again, the, the biggest weakness the Eagles have is run defense, and the commanders cannot run the football. Now, maybe they surprise us. Maybe this is a Brian Robinson breakout game or an Antonio Gibson breakout game. But they, they don't they don't have an identity. They don't know what they want to be, and they don't know what they want to do. I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball very well on this team. They're certainly not going to be able to pass the ball on this team. Uh, it could be a low-scoring game because the Washington defense can give the Eagles some trouble, but I think the Eagles just have too many answers all over the field. I, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be over pretty early. I think you're going to see a big halftime lead, just like we saw in week three. And I think the Eagles are going to coast. I think this is going to be something like 30 to 10. I really do think it's going to be a blowout. I don't think this is going to be close. Uh, I think this is going to be a massacre on Monday night. I'm going to say Eagles 30, Commanders 10. I've seen a lot of these games these Commanders have played this year, and I've seen nothing to show me that they can hang with this Philadelphia Eagles team here on Monday night. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next week, we'll, we'll talk to uh, someone. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a guest on and get a, a, an inside look at our next opponent. But for the meantime, um, thank you all for, for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. And we will talk to you all next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. G and